everyone, it's Ashley here. Just wanted to give you a quick update. This weekend that this premieres is my due date, so hopefully I have a little baby boy in my arms right now. And Jessica has also popped and welcomed a new little baby girl to the world. So congratulations to her. Uh, we still wanted to bring you some new content, so we hopped on and recorded an episode for you. It's very short, but we hope you enjoy. Also, this is week two of our podcast promo swap. So this week you will be hearing a trailer from supposedly a really interesting podcast. So check it out and have a wonderful week. Hey, welcome to Supposedly. Supposedly. I'm Rue. And I'm Jesse, and we're going to be telling you some interesting, creepy stories today. So Rue and I kind of decided to make this podcast after quarantine. Every week we've been getting on Zoom, talking to each other about some creepy things, watching episodes of paranormal shows together. So during one of our Zoom encounters, we were talking about a bunch of creepy stuff and said, hey, why don't we turn one of our weekly get-togethers into a podcast? And here we are. Because that's the one thing we can do across the ocean. And I know this is a little conspiracy theorist. For those stories to originate uniquely and have such commonality is so cool to me. Let's rewind. All right. Make a rewindy sound for me. <laughs> that was a great rewindy sound. Why haven't I had you do that before? I don't know. It's a it's a hidden talent. Okay, I, uh, I want to hear it again. Ah! He just chopped off both of her arms. Both of her arms. Oh my god! Mm-hmm. Rue. We have a podcast, not a, a math degree. Hashtag Jesse likes aquatic. I think most bra wearing people have those friends that they'd be like, hey, we don't have to wear bras around each other, right? So let's get into a murder. Join us next time on Supposedly. is histories and mysteries i'm one of your hosts ashley and your other host is jessica so on this week's episode ash is going to be talking about some dumb criminals uh-huh and i'm going to be doing my second part series on the romanov family Yay. yeah i figured i'd lighten it up because we've had some pretty heavy stories lately <laughs> yes <laughs> so um this one's not going to be super long but it is uh hilarious so yeah. I got my information from BBC News 4 Stories, uh, Syracuse.com, TimeMagazine.com, and New York Post. Cool. And I have, like, several stories. So there's, like, four, I think. Okay. So the first story, um, our story starts with one fateful night where this poor little guy named Dirk was hanging out, minding his own business, just living life, doing cool kid shit. When out of nowhere, two drunk people broke into his home and kidnapped him. Oh, all right. His kidnappers were so drunk that they fell asleep, leaving our little Dirk all alone in their apartment. He had no idea where he was or how to get out, so he was forced to just sit and wait for them to wake up from their drunken naps. Oh, lovely. When his captors awoke, they were shocked to see poor Dirk sitting in their apartment. They didn't remember (laughs) anything. Oh, no. So they tried to feed him, give him a shower, but they knew they couldn't keep him. So, Can we keep him as a pet, please? (laughs) (laughs) 
But they didn't want to get in trouble, so they decided their best course of action would be to dump him in a local canal all on his own. What? <laughs> Thankfully, some people saw him saw them dumping little Dirk and called the police. <laughs> the police rescued Dirk and brought him, brought him back to his home at SeaWorld. Did I forget to mention that Dirk's a penguin? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Dirk's a poor little penguin. Aww. I have it written in here. I literally wrote, did I forget to mention that they stole a freaking <laughs> penguin? <laughs> yes, did. <laughs> I did that on purpose. I kind of figured. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently these two people got drunk, broke into SeaWorld. Um, this was in Australia. They swam with some dolphins. Uh, let off a fire extinguisher in the shark enclosure and took no. Dirk the penguin before leaving the park. That's hilarious. Um, all the animals were fine. Like, no harm came to anything. So, But can you imagine waking up and there's a freaking penguin in your apartment and you don't remember how it got there? No, but imagine being that drunk that, like, you can't remember <laughs> swimming with right? dolphins. Yeah. Like, what's the point? Yeah, so apparently they had, like, a, a buddy that worked at SeaWorld and let them in in all their drunkenness. So um, the two drunk tourists, I would also like to say they were tourists of Australia and they were not American, um, <laughs> issued a letter of apology and were fined by the Australian government. The judge said to them, um, first of all, that they were lucky, you know, because they could have gone in an enclosure that would have, you know, killed them. Like with the sharks. Right. Um, and he also said, <laughs> quote, Maybe next time, don't drink so much vodka. Yeah. Um, so that was story one of Dirk. Now we are going to take a journey to western New York, the state of. Okay. Where Matthew 34, James 35, and Tim 23 um, and were... Wow, I set that up real bad. Okay, let me start that over. <clears throat> We're now going to take a trip to Western New York State on Mother's Day 2015 at 6.30 a.m. when Matthew 34, James 35, and Tim 23 thought it would be a great idea to rob a Build-A-Burger and ice cream. Okay. Um, they got away with, are you ready for this? Yes. $29. <laughs> A sur- some surveillance system parts, and a 10-pound oh. bowl of macaroni salad. I mean, macaroni salad is pretty dope. I personally like some right about now. But Yeah, macaroni salad actually sounds amazing right now. It's so um, good. Do you have your, you've had some? You've had oh, yeah. Some? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. So good. Um, okay, so the police were called, and they <laughs> they were led right to the criminals because... As the criminals were getting away, they were eating the macaroni salad, and they left a trail of oh, macaroni Lord. salad from the <laughs> restaurant to their hideout. Oh, no. Along uh, with pieces of surveillance equipment, the cash register, loose change, and a glove. So they just left them a real good trail. Um, apparently they were taking turns eating the salad as they walked down a nature path that led from the back of the restaurant to their hideout. Lovely. (laughs) They were charged with burglary in the third degree, criminal mischief in the third degree, and grand larceny in the fourth degree. 
Tim was also charged with criminal possession of a controlled substance and criminal possession of a hypodermic um, hypodermic instrument. So, obviously, I mean, they had to be on drugs to be that, like, you got 29 bucks and some macaroni salad, like. <laughs> um, the restaurant thanked the community for their support after the in- incident and joked, it looks like Deb will be making 10 times the amount of macaroni salad from now on. Aww. <laughs> Um, our next story brings us to Florida. This is my favorite story. Oh, I was going to say, this has got to be good. It's Florida. <laughs> Josh from Jupiter, Florida, was driving down the road and saw a small alligator okay. about three and a half feet long and decided to stop and pick it up as one does. No. <laughs> <laughs> and like three and a half feet doesn't sound like huge, but like three and a half feet of alligator is ginormous. Yeah, and like. <laughs> Your attitude. Yeah. Uh, He then stopped at a gas station where, according to the surveillance footage, he was acting really suspiciously. He exited his vehicle by pulling himself out of the window of his door instead of opening the door, um, probably because he had a fucking alligator inside. Yeah. Um, So he then, after hitting the gas station, decided that he wanted to go to Wendy's. Okay. Uh, he went through the Wendy's drive-thru, ordered some food, some drinks, and then the worker handed him his drink, and he threw the alligator in the window. What? He threw the alligator in the Wendy's drive-thru window. Why? I don't... So there's a little... There's some reasoning behind this. Um, he actually has reasoning? He, yeah. He thought it was just a joke. Um, he was, he was charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon with intent to do less than murder, which is a third degree felony. Jeez. He was also charged with taking or attempting to take an alligator, which is apparently illegal in Florida. Um, and the penalties are up to five years in prison, a fine of up to $5,000, probation up to five years, and restitution. Um... He said it was just a stupid prank, but the judge was not buying it. The judge said that this was one of the most bizarre cases in his 25 years on the bench, and he is retiring in June, so it may be his last. (laughs) Jeez. Um, But the judge said this type of thing is not a prank. It's a crime. Because, like, someone could have got seriously hurt. Yeah, no kidding. He was sentenced to one year of probation, a $500 fine, 75 hours of community service, and denied the defense's request to keep the convictions off his record. He also had to stay away from Wendy's. He couldn't have Wendy's anymore. Good. Yeah. No, like, what if even the alligator got hurt? Right. Exactly. Poor little animal. It could have been a baby. Yeah. So here's, they talked to his mom and dad, and here's how you can figure out why he felt he could do that. Um, his mother said it was just a stupid prank that he did, and now it's turning into this. It's stupid. Of course. His mother told WPTV, he's a prankster. He does stuff like this because he thinks it's funny. Oh, my goodness. His father said he was a good kid who was honest and respectful and, quote, he always had a pet lizard. I guess he just didn't think anything of it. Oh what? My gosh. Uh, apparently, he idolized Steve Irwin, who I think would be ashamed of him. Yeah. Um, and so I wrote in here, and that, my friends, is why I am sure we haven't heard the last of Josh, because his parents coddle him. Yes, just a um, Yeah. And don't worry, the gator was fine, and he was released back into the wild. Good. 
And then my last story is uh, in Baltimore, Maryland. Daniel, 55, got into an argument with his wife after she took a bite of his grilled cheese sandwich. So after they argued, he went into the basement and she started to cook dinner. In the middle of cooking, she heard a gunshot from the basement. She went downstairs to check on him, probably thinking it went off accidentally, and found him surrounded by guns. She apparently thought this was normal and just went back upstairs. All right. He then fired three more shots into the kitchen from the basement. So she finally fled with her teenagers and called the police. A standoff ensued after he barricaded himself in the house. The police sent tactical canine and hostage negotiation teams to the scene. And after three hours, Daniel surrendered to police and was promptly arrested. After they searched his house, they found 15 firearms, four were loaded, and one was just sitting inside the front door. He did have prior assault convictions. Shocker, shocker. So he was not allowed to own any guns. He was charged with attempted first and second degree murder, first and second degree degree assault, reckless endangerment, and various firearm violations. And all of this started because his wife took a bite of his grilled cheese sandwich. Oh my goodness. (laughs) And that was my short and sweet dumb crimes. I apologize. That was a little shorter than I had anticipated, but... That's okay. I think mine's going to be fairly short, too, so... Okay. (laughs) Sorry, everybody. (laughs) But we've had some long ones. Yeah, so I'll give you a little break. Yeah. I mean, you don't always like listening to us, I'm sure, so... I'm sure sometimes we drag (laughs) on and on. (laughs) We have our little tangents. It's fine. (laughs) Well, those are funny. I liked the penguin one. I think that was my favorite. Yeah, I think the penguin or the alligator one's my favorite. Yeah, just like the little penguin just chilling in the living room, not really know what he's doing. (laughs) Poor Dirk. So funny. All (laughs) right. So I'm going to go back. I'm going to jump into my Romanov part two. Okay. So last week, just to recap, we talked about the beginnings of our Nicholas II, who was the last czar of Russia, Anastasia's father. We talked about the Russo-Japanese war and basically how Russia could have handed japan their ass but they just weren't prepared and they just went guns ablazing without actually planning anything yeah <laughs> so they got their asses handed to them <laughs> right <laughs> and basically this started the revolution of 1905 which is bloody sunday so the revolution of 1905 ran in accordance with the devastating defeat of russia to japan Many were extremely shocked and scared at the fact that the yellow race defeated the white. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yes. It was back in the early 1900s. So, unfortunately, right. we have some unfortunate racism going on. Yeah. We still have some unfortunate racism going on today. So It's true. <laughs> um, violent strikes originated in Moscow and eventually made their way to St. Petersburg. Workers on strike were violently thrown from their places of work with whips, bayonets, and rifle butts. Holy crap. Yeah. However, the Russo-Japanese War was not the only cause for such riots. Workers faced poor working conditions and worked worked an average of 11 hours a day. Wow. And they worked 10 hours on Saturday. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Little concern was also shown for a worker's health and safety, so there was a lot of reason to be upset. Yeah. 
1905, a protest of 150,000 people led by Orthodox priest Father Gapone took to the cold and snow-covered streets of St. Petersburg to protest about their lifestyle. Gapone and his fellow Russians were not anti-Tsar. Were not anti-Tsar. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, they were dressed in their Sunday best. They carried icons and banners and portraits of the Tsar, and they sang hymns and songs declaring their support for him, whom they affectionately called their little father. So, like, they didn't hate Nicholas. It's just they yeah. were upset and they just wanted their voice to be heard. Mm-hmm. With Nicholas gone from St. Petersburg, where this march was happening, the Imperial Guard decided they had no other choice than to put down the protesters. More than 100 marchers were killed and several wow. hundred were wounded. Wow. Yeah. Like, how insane. Like, this peaceful little march. And then you're just gunning these people down for no reason at all. That's insane. Yeah, it's so stupid. Like, just shoot first, ask questions later, I guess. Yeah. Um, a first hand. <laughs> Europe is wild. Europe is wild. Like, we. <laughs> like, you didn't listen to our Christmas episode. Yo, go listen to that shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Europe is wild. <laughs> yeah. Europe is wild. <laughs> <laughs> A first-hand account of the massacre spoke of the pools of blood on the white snow, the whips, the whooping of gendarme, the dead, the injured, the children shot. Wow. And this became known as Bloody Sunday, which sparked the 1905 revolution, whereby strikes spread across the country and mutiny throughout the army and navy. So it was a very unfortunate time. Yeah, sounds like it. Um, upon Nicholas's return to St. Petersburg, he had only two choices. He could use aggression and force to put an end to the rebellions. However, he couldn't fully trust the military. So he came up with another option, which was the October Manifesto. Okay. The October Manifesto, in turn, granted freedom of conscience, speech, meeting, and association, and the end of imprisonment without trial. This, oh, however, isn't that great? Yeah. Like, instead of responding with violence, like his Imperial Guard did, little mm-hmm. shitheads, he's <laughs> like, let me come up with a peaceful approach that will hopefully be beneficial to everybody. Yeah, yeah. So, he wasn't all bad. <laughs> <laughs> um. This, however, was not enough for the protesters. And so Nicholas created created a new type of government, which he called the Imperial Duma. Ooh. The first Duma was formed in the winter of 1906 because Nicholas was forced to grant a constitution and establish a parliament. Okay. And contrary to the spirit of the October Manifesto, the law reasserted that the Tsar had absolute power and could veto any laws passed by the Duma. Oh, okay. Which is good because, I mean, he needs to have some power, right? Yeah. Well, and I mean, our president can veto things, too. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's important, too, that you have someone that's looking out for the people, right? Because... yeah. 
the people involved in this might not always have the best interests at heart. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing about the Duma was that all of Russian classes, the peasants, the urban population, industrial workers, and landowners, landowners <laughs> were to choose their own representatives. Um, so in different proportion to the actual number of voters. So yeah. I guess this was made up of a bunch of different classes of people, which is good. Uh, the negative side to this was the fact that in some parts of the country, a landowner's vote was worth 50 of a peasant's vote. Oh, okay. Therefore, the upper class received more rights than the lower classes still, even though the Duma was created to help those who could not help themselves. Yeah, kind of defeats the purpose then, right? Yeah. A man by the name of Losiev, oh, Jesus, Murphy, <laughs> expresses this point perfectly. And I will quote. In a country in which hunger is so prevalent, it is unreasonable to want to do something about it. Oh, gosh. It is unreasonable to want to do something about it. Here we go. <laughs> I like how you read that as a question the second time. Because <laughs> it is a question. <laughs> I have a question mark. I didn't read it properly the first time. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, in a country in which hunger is so prevalent, it is unreasonable to want to do something about it. Must we continue to remain like dumb beasts under the whip of Minister Stolypin? <laughs> <laughs> i was overjoyed when i heard the words of our czar by whose graciousness a duma has been convened to restore the country but my joy has not survived this day now my friends i see that my country is again unfortunate i see again that it is threatened by officials in pompous uniforms unquote so at first glance the imperial duma is like seen as like this really good thing and then you get down to the logistics of it and it's like, oh shit, like maybe it's not as great as we thought. <laughs> mm -hmm. So with the Duma, underground political parties emerged for it was no longer illegal for them to take part in any political activities due to the October Manifesto. Um, for example, the Mar Marxist Bolsheviks were able to surface from the political netherworld of secret group meetings and combat with undercover police. So 42 days after the Duma was created, Nicholas decided enough was enough and disbanded the Duma due to the sides growing further apart from one another. Oh no. Yeah. <clears throat> the second Duma was created in 1907. This Duma was like the first in the sense that it didn't last very long. Um, Le it was actually less than four months before it was dismissed by Nicholas in June of 1907. So Prime Minister Stolypin, Stolypin, I don't even know these names, honestly. <laughs> Honest to gracious. So ridiculous. Um, so the Prime Minister Stol was not agreeing with where the Juma kept heading and therefore he changed it all together. So rather than the vote being put in the hands of peasants and landowners, it was changed to be put in the hands of just landowners and property owners. Oh, great. Yeah. So just literally taking the lower class out of the picture. Right. 
Um, this new form of parliament never caused any problems for Nicholas or Stolypin, and it served its full five-year term until it was dismissed by the provisional government on October 6, 1917. These Dumas were not entirely a waste because they produced hundreds of laws, some of which, such as the land reform, helped Russia modernize, while others, such as enforced russification generated a less favorable reaction okay what they surprisingly failed to do however was to establish the seed of democracy in russia and provide a representative vent for the rising tensions within the rapidly industrializing country Hmm. yeah um and you know what? I know I said I was going to talk about Alexandra and Rasputin this episode. Uh-huh. But I'm going to leave it for next week. Oh, fine. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the end of my story. I know, again, it's so short. I'm so sorry. Um, But I feel like this is a lot of facts and mm. a lot of history. And so I feel like it's better that they're shorter little episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that just kind of ends it really well. So, all right. Well, yeah. stay tuned next week, and I will be talking about Ed Kemper, and you will be finishing off your Romanoff episode. Yeah. Uh, if you want more of us, lovely ladies, you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at Histories and Mysteries, or you can email us at Histories and Mysteries five one five at gmail dot com. And if you want to rate or review us, you can do that, too, because that really helps us grow, and we really appreciate it. Yeah. So thanks for tuning in, everybody. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And again, sorry this episode is so short. Um, Hopefully you will forgive us and tune in next week. Have a great week, guys. Bye. Bye.